0: What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Eagles' a Monday press conference recap. I'm Alex Miller, joined always by Travis Brown, the Eagles Texas a m athletics beat reporter. Travis, if we if we were doing the high school podcast, I'd say these 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 are the ones that start to count. But uh, you know, I guess in college football they all count. Anyway, AM starting an SEC play this week, hosting the Auburn Tigers uh, on the on the Monday or excuse me, the Saturday morning affair.
1: Yeah, it's it, I mean they really do count even more this year because the west looks so wide open i mean you yeah. look at really the whole sec looks wide open we, we talked about this uh saturday after the game georgia looked bad uh, alabama has les- not look so great they don't know who their quarterback is uh old miss has struggled at times mississippi state got blown out by lsu lsu got beat by florida state <sighs> man there, there's Arkansas
0: l- loss to byu uh, yeah
1: there's a lot up for for grabs here and uh so yeah, these the, all of these games are going to count because this might be the most competitive SEC West we've seen in a long time. Maybe what when was the uh, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State? That was twenty fourteen. Oh, yeah, twenty fourteen when yeah. they were all number one at one point. Right, and they so were like
0: one, two, three at one point. Like what the heck? Was <laughs> it might going be on kind of the, the, the state of Mississippi that year. Yeah, it might be kind Dak of on the other
1: other end of the spectrum where it's who wants to actually win this thing kind of situation instead of having so many number ones but yeah it's it's pretty wide open
0: that year it was Nick Saban who's the greatest college football coach of all time probably it was Dak Prescott who's Dallas Cowboys are 2 and 0 oh, thank you Dak <laughs> and Hugh Freeze who is now coaching the Auburn Tigers who A and plays this week it all comes Bring it full all back circle around. it all comes full circle we'll get to the matchup with Auburn later this week and we get to talk with our friends from the Opelika Auburn news but Looking at what AM shared this morning, uh, we heard from Connor Wigman. I'm just really
1: impressed that you can say Opalaka so smoothly and confidently, because I never can get that right.
0: Well, you know, my good friend Jake Weiss, <laughs> a, a proud Auburn alum, we won't, we won't, we won't let the readers hate on him too much this week. But uh, you know, we heard from Connor Wigman. Let's start with him, A and M's quarterback. You know talked a lot with him and Jimbo Fisher today about you know throwing mechanics his background with baseball uh, quarterbacking and you know just just kind of a fun conversation
1: yeah you got like when you look in that room you got Brent Zorneman former Sam Houston State pitcher you not a hitter me yeah uh <laughs> former TCU bullpen catcher mark Passwaters a former there's a lot of of baseball guys in that room. Cease, former baseball Seemler, guy. Cease, Robert Cessna, former baseball guy. Uh, hey, I had a
0: home run in Little Leagues, so you know, there you go. There you go. There's a lot of baseball <laughs> guys. So
1: <laughs> it, it didn't. It, it made sense why the, the line of questioning on throwing mechanics kind of really caught hold and, and went on because you, you don't get baseball guys going unless you start talking throwing Jimbo's mechanics. Jimbo's a baseball guy.
0: Jimbo's a baseball guy. AC's a baseball guy. Yeah, yeah, all, all, so many
1: baseball guys in that room. Um, uh, 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 Donna Conrad at uh, KHR softball d- softball uh, Albany softball can't leave the Richard out Zane there. big baseball guy yeah we won't, we won't yeah that, that he's a big Dodger guy I don't know yeah if we're gonna hold it. any anyway sorry Richard so uh, yeah so a lot of talk about you know mechanics and, and it, you you aren't watching the game closely if you don't see how many different arm slots that Connor Wigman throws from. I mean, most of them. And he says what Jimbo Fisher's always harping on him is to make sure he's coming over the top, the traditional quarterback throw, uh, keep it uh, uh, compact, and throw it over the top, uh, get the best accuracy that way. But I remember one of those, and I can't remember which one, but one of the the times where Connor Wigman was blitzed and had a guy coming at him uh, you know, completely uh, unblocked he stepped back and shoulders squared to his receiver, just whipped it sidearm. Like
0: Pat Mahomes. Like like
1: Pat Mahomes and got it to his receiver. Uh, and and when you, it's a term that's come more in vogue in football circles, that off-platform throw. Uh, the, the one where you're not in your basic, traditional, orthodox quarterback uh, positioning and throwing. And you're making on-the-run throws, sidearm throws, jump throws, things like that. Connor Wigman has proven he's pretty good at that. A lot of that he said and Jimbo Fisher said comes back to his time playing uh, shortstop in baseball. And he said the difference, though, and what Jimbo Fisher is harping him on is the fact that at shortstop, you know, you get a a, a, a regular hit ground ball. You feel it. You know the guy's an average runner. You can just kind of whip it over there with a lot of arm, forearm, wrist and get it to first base, get the guy out. Um, in, in football, even if you are going to make that sidearm throw, there's, there's footwork to that. There's, there's a way to be able to do it safely um, and to get it to uh, the wideout accurately. Um, and fish, Jimbo Fisher, he said, even if he is throwing it sidearm, which he, he says he prefers not to, him not to, but when he does, there is still a footwork. He still needs to be fundamentally sound from the waist down. Uh, to make that throw, or else that's when you get in situations where you're not accurate, where you don't get enough behind it, and it's an easy uh, pick play for a a cornerback coming in. Um, So some really interesting dynamics there. You know, Jimbo Fisher, you know, uh, Connor Wigman, like I've said multiple times, said, you know, Jimbo gets on him when he he drops down and throws that way. Uh, But those are on the throws when he can throw from over the top. And uh, make the play. Then Jimbo Fisher said, "There's a feel to it, and there's times in the game where you're under pressure. You're running. You're about to, you know, get brought down. You see a wide receiver out there, and the, the throw is to make it sidearm, and that's the only option that you have. You need to make that throw. Um, but just kind of an interesting dynamic all around with with that part of Connor Wickman's game. That's that's been more pronounced than any A and M quarterback they've had probably since Johnny." maybe Kyler Kyler had a baseball background too, but uh, I remember Johnny making some of those kind of sidearm running throws, but it's not something that you've seen from a m quarterbacks as frequently as you do with Connor Wegman.
0: Yeah, sounds like uh, Connor needs to make throws uh, like it's uh, a hard grounder from Julio Rodriguez instead of a, a you know a <laughs> little routine from Martin Maldonado. Diving but, uh, in the hole. Hey AOS race right now is incredible y'all. <laughs> so all right, enough baseball talk. Know, is there enough baseball talk though? No, no okay. such thing. Um, and unless we're talking about the Rangers. Probably don't want to talk about <laughs> them right now. Anyway, you know, when 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 you look at when you look at Connor though, through the first two weeks, I think he's like number two in the country and QBR behind what mm-hmm. is it? Is is it Michael Penix from Washington, I believe so, yes. who's, you know, preseason Heisman front runner uh, in, in that mix of guys along with Caleb Williams from USC. You know, I Travis, I don't know about you, but and I know that A&M has not played in, in two games, not super great competition. But even in the loss to Miami, I mean, I think what you've seen from Connor Wegman shows that if he's if he's going to continue playing at a level like this, a going to be at least competitive in, in the remainder of their games.
1: He uh, Pro football focus has him graded as the top quarterback in the SEC through three weeks um, and was the top quarterback in week three. Uh, a, a, as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's such a key component to why they've been successful. I think it goes back, even in the Miami game, yes, you know, Fit Jimbo came back, and as we talked to our our friend of the show, Nick, uh, Nick Starkle last week, he said that, yeah, there were some instances where Connor, because he was young, wasn't reading the defense the right way to call the protection the right way, and that's why some of the pressure was brought on him, but even through that pressure, he was making Really good plays. I mean, the amount of points they were still able to put up with Miami, that, that wasn't, that, that AM offense last year, under pressure or not under pressure, wasn't doing that. Um, and, and so I think so much of this, the success of the season is going to uh, fall on his shoulders. And he's proven so far that he is one of the standouts in the SEC. The, the the good news for A&M fans is the fact that most of the time when you have an unexperienced quarterback, it's because the experience that he has is, is in playing in those uh, blowout games, in the ULM games, in the New Mexico type games, the, the, the end of the season cupcake game. But Wigman does have SEC experience all under his belt, so he's not... You would think going to be intimidated by crowds, by the added pressure, by the um, added skill set of the teams that they're playing. Uh, He's already been through that once, so he's not inexperienced in that regard.
0: Yet he's only played in like seven or eight games at this point. And most he's, of them have been SEC games. And yeah, and most of them he's had pretty good outings. Sands, the Auburn game last year was probably his worst outing of the season. It overall was just a bad game for mm-hmm. AM. But, you know, asked about what the difference was from that game versus where he's going into this week, you know, he says he has a much better grip on the offense. He's got a better idea of how to, you know, read defenses and pick that up. That was something you kind of asked him about, you know, what, how does that translate in, into the college level? And it, it seemed like the speed of things and having to process things quicker was was ma- probably the mm-hmm. main takeaway that that I heard from what he had to say from that.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I asked him in in high school, uh, what's the difference between reading a defense in high school and reading a, an SEC defense? And he said, really. Not much other than the, the speed at which you have to read it. I, I think there is some other factors, too, in, in the way that they're going to uh, deke and decoy who's blitzing and who's not blitzing. But that goes a lot into um, understanding uh, the direction that guys are coming from and the space that they have and who's left unguarded or, or, or who's guarded as far as wide receivers. And you can pick up where guys are coming hot, and it seemed like he's doing a better job of that. Again, it's ULM. Let's see what he does against Auburn. But um, that, that'll that be another interesting point is to look at the the, the pass protection and see if uh, uh, how much film Auburn watched that Miami game and how much they're going to try to replicate what Miami did against today and
0: offense. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that Jimbo Fisher had a lot of praise for the Auburn defense, really praised their uh, defensive line. And, you know, he said that he said that, you know, he's always looking for improvement in the trenches, that that's where the game is won. I, I think we can all agree with that, especially in the SEC. But, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people are going to have their eye on this weekend is how does that a offensive line fare now that they're playing back against a power five competition and opponent and, you know, we got to hear from Mark Naboo, who's, you know, kind of been playing a couple of different spots at guard, at center, started at center last week. I know Bryce Foster, he wasn't. He didn't go at all against the Warhawks. And just, you know, what a and going to be able to do right there on the offensive line?
1: Yeah, you are the one who, who – got him to talk about one of the most interesting stories Dude, of the day. yeah
0: so you know i'm just trying to be funny kind of and be like you know this guy's from washington and you know uh, washington weather is just not the same as texas weather and I, you know i'm just just keeping it lighthearted. you know hey what'd you think of the summer you know uh, heat really bad and he's like well yeah but uh you know i lived in fiji for six years as a kid and i'm like what? Yeah. So yeah,
1: he (laughs) went into detail about how his mom was still in college when uh, they uh, when he was born. And so for her to be able to finish college, they she sent him back to family uh, in Fiji where both um, his parents are from. And he basically lived a, a farm life yeah. for, uh, the, through about sixth grade. And you even asked him if he got to hang out on the beach. He said, I wasn't really thinking about the beach. I was more thinking about feeding animals. And
0: yeah, he was feeding the pigs and cutting the grass and making his dues, paying his rent. Right,
1: right. And so <laughs> uh, he, but he said to that end, he's also really proud of his heritage because, you know, uh, he played in the Polynesian Bowl. There's a, a high school all-star game for um, athletes of kind of Polynesian descent. Mm-hmm. Um but he said he's he's really proud of being from Fiji. Would that be a Fid- Fid- Fijian? Fijian? I don't know. Yeah, what I the, think that's how he we're said. We're gonna have to look it up. But proper uh, pronunciation. You know, when you think of the Polynesian bowl and a lot of these uh, uh, big time athletes, it's really what you're thinking of is Samoa and Tonga, mm-hmm. those islands, not necessarily Fiji. And so the fact that he gets to play. Uh, football and and kind of represent his country in that way he's really proud of he said because he he is from Fiji and not a Samoan or a Tongan as most of you know I actually looked it up uh, what probably the most famous college football playing uh, Polynesian might be Dwayne Johnson from his day at Miami he is uh, he is uh, I believe it was Samoan Mm -hmm. Uh, his mom had Samoan descent so Um. yeah, that's a pretty interesting story that that I think we're going to dive a little deeper into later this week.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. So y'all be sure to check com for our follow-up story on that. You know, last guy we got to talk to today was LT Overton. And I think, of course, something that caught the eye of many was how he was used basically as you know a safety or or a defensive back splitting out wide covering a slot receiver against ULM and and we talked about this a little bit after the game but you know finally getting to you know talk to the guy and be like hey you know what's 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 kind of up with that you know what what are the advantages what's kind of the purpose of it you know somebody asked Jimbo you know are you worried he's actually gonna have to cover someone he's like now he's gonna go kill him (laughs) it's like well, I mean, yeah, he's like 6'4", 260 pounds. Uh, it might, might fare well if, you know, the receiver didn't get around him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 going back to kind of what we were talking about on the other side of things for Connor Wigman or any quarterback. And uh, when, when you can keep the same four lineman personnel out there, but really in, in a second's notice transform it from a four-man pass rush to a three-man pass rush and drop LT Overton into coverage... It just gives a different look. It gives uh, they, it might make the quarterback call his his slide his protection in a way that opens up some uh, space for the three guys coming. They might be sending a guy from the other direction. Um, but yeah, they uh, they did it a lot on third down last year. D.J. Durkin did where they would stand him up, have three down linemen, and he would kind of drop back into coverage either in the flat or um, kind of in in the the tackle box uh, and he has the speed and athleticism to be able to do that. It's not something he ever did in high school. He said he was always a pass rusher and edge rusher in high school, and it's something he's had to learn since he's been here. But he says he sees the effects of how it can uh, alter the quarterback's decision-making when all of a sudden he is dropping back into coverage. They also did it with Fidel Diggs. That was in a more prevent defense kind of situation where they had third and, you know, Caldwell to to go on on the field, and they dropped uh, um, Fidel Diggs back into a middle linebacker, f- ten or fifteen yards off the line. Um, a little bit different situation because that was a a a long distance prevent type defense, but DJ Durkin hasn't shied away from using his edge rushers in pass protection. Um, some people might not like that because of the fact that AM at times has struggled getting pressure on the quarterback, but uh, it also provides opportunities for other people, other gaps, other holes to, to open up. So curious to see, I, I think it's something that's going to continue because it was something carried over from last yeah. year, but it's something to keep an eye on because of um his ability to do something new and to see how it does or doesn't affect the the pass rush so far.
0: Well, yeah. And, you know, a, a team like Auburn with that Hugh Hugh freeze offense. I mean, they're, they're going to spread it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jimbo talked about how, you know, having a guy like that can really disrupt a, a route, you know, a route pattern and how it's run, you know, a guy could, you know, really get thrown off from, you know, a hash to a number and in a, in a, in a quick, quick amount of time, just be having to get around a, a body that's that big. And so, you know, and, and, and Fisher
1: talked a what uh, Cease asked him about. Yeah. He's always said tight ends create matchup right. problems uh, with defenses. If 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 he is going to have to be forced to guard someone in the positions, usually in zone defenses where he is, it's going to be a running back uh, or slot receiver or a tight end, and probably more likely a tight end.
0: And Auburn's got that one guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's
1: actually a matchup that that is mostly favorable or, or at least comparable. Uh, you're not having a safety on a tight end, which is uh, – the tight is going to win more times than not probably and then any of the other types of guys Fidel Diggs is going to probably knock their or excuse me uh Overton Overton's probably going to knock their head off so uh interesting little bit of uh of uh what we got going on there and apparently our Yeah, I don't know what's up with our background. Our background just is just
0: don't look. Telling us it's time to go Don't I think. look. But hey be sure to check TheEagle.com for all of our coverage leading up to a SEC opener against Auburn this weekend. We'll have plenty in store for you guys. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next week.